Okay, tonight is, uh, is Yom HaShoah. You all know that there's a history uh, that uh, in the early days of the State of Israel, it was decided that there should be some commemoration of Shoah. And the problem was that, uh, I think the problem was for, for some people was that Shoah was a kind of defeat for the Jewish people. I mean, so many were killed, and so many children were killed. <coughs> How could you com- commemorate? I mean, what's the commemoration about? Even uh, even Hanukkah that ended badly was very good for a couple of hundred years. I mean, not not very good. But during that period of time, from Hanukkah, Yudah Maccabi, until the Churban Beit Hamikdash, about two hundred years, <coughs> right? One thirty BCE to seventy. 135 BCE to 70 CE. <coughs> so even though many of those years were not uh, great years for Torah and Judaism, it was nevertheless seen by the Rambam, for example, it was seen as uh, something very positive that Malchut was established, that there was a government in uh, in Eretz Israel, which was not always live up to the standards of the Torah, but sometimes did. It sounds very familiar, like today. Maybe. I mean, the Rambam doesn't say it out, you know, in great detail, but you could, could you could say it's that there, there are no. Uh, then the advantage was that there was a kind of malchut. There was Malchut and there was Kuhuna. There was a Beit HaMikdash. And those two things were special. Even though both of those things were, for most of that period of time, of 200 years, were the hotbed of corruption of one kind or another. So after the establishing the State of Israel, it was felt by some, that there should be a commemoration of the Holocaust. I don't know if commemoration is the right word, but uh, a time that people would devote to remembering that there was a Holocaust. (laughs) What? But the, uh, as, as I said, there was not, it wasn't so... It wasn't so obvious that... Uh, <coughs> about what it was that we were commemorating. I mean, this Holocaust did not seem to be a victory. And at that time, the State of Israel also didn't seem to be... It was a victory, clearly, but it wasn't something that could take the place of the destruction of the Holocaust. So a compromise was reached and, and um, some sort of compromise. And the day 
was called Yom HaShoah V'Hagvura where the commemoration was not only about the destruction of the Jewish people but also the fact that they stood up and fought and of course the model for fighting back was the Warsaw Ghetto Warsaw Ghetto as you know unfortunately was totally destroyed all the people were killed and uh, Nevertheless, they did not go like sheep to the slaughter. They fought back. So it was seen that what we should commemorate is the Shoah, the Holocaust, and the Gvura, the, the Gvura of, of the, of the, not only the Warsaw Ghetto, there's also Lodge and Vilna, there were other places where there was also, you know, Jews stood and fought. They weren't able to win in any of these fights, but they fought. And then there were the uh, partisans, you know, partisans, the people who ran away to the forests and lived and, you know, fought sort of like terrorists back against the Nazis. The Nazis were not interested, I think, in going into the forests, you know, singularly. And it was like hard to go with uh, hundreds of soldiers, you know. So they managed to live. The people managed to live in the forest during the duration of the war. You know, that Rev. Uh, Gustman, who was... Uh, at a yeshiva here. That's a Yisrael. That's a Yisrael. His yeshiva. Well, Gustav was a partisan. Mm. He uh, he fought during the the, the years of the war. <coughs> he was, a, you know, in many respects, he was an interesting person. <coughs> so the day became Yom Hashoavagura. And I'm not sure, I mean, now I can only tell you my personal reaction, which is I think it's, uh, it's important to remember things that happened. But it's also important to be able to remember what's behind it. Like we just got through Pesach. So Pesach, we're thinking for the last 3,000 years, about why we should tell the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim in any event that we, in any way that we tell it. Most people today use the Haggadah as the base of the telling of the story. But of course, it's not easy to know what the difference is between Zecher Yitziat Mitzrayim, which is something we say every day when we say Kriyat Shema, and other mitzvot are all called Zecher Yitziat Mitzrayim. There's the memory. Is rekindling the memory of something. Chazal thought that the twelve months was the time of forgetting. That if didn't, if you didn't think about it for twelve months, you'd forget it. <laughs> That's called zecher. So we <coughs> we do zecher liitziat mitzrayim every day. Every day we we remind ourselves Yitzhak Mitzrayim. There, there's no particular content to that zecher. Of course, you know you could say whatever you like, but in the in the psukim that we read in the parashat tzitzit, 
doesn't say anything about what exactly the reason for this is. And you know that there's, there are other zechers that we are, in fact, in, in many sidurim after Shachris, there's a list of the, of the zechers that you might remind yourself of that day. You know, there's like the animamins of the Rambam and the, the zechers. Zechers are less uh, formula, formulized. So the Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim has to be distinguished from the Zecher of the Yitziat Mitzrayim. Zecher Yitziat Mitzrayim is you remind yourself of something, and forget it, even though I don't, I don't have to verbalize why I'm remembering it. The Torah tells me, remember, so I remember. And I assume that that memory will be useful to me at some time or other. But on the night of Pesach, there is a separate obligation called Sipuri Yitziat Mitzrayim to tell the story, which is different from the obligation of Zecher Yitziat Mitzrayim, which is to remember. Now, in the Haggadah, or it goes back to the Mishnah, actually, but in the Haggadah, the Mishnah, we understand the, the, the sources tell us what lisaper means and we, I think I spoke about this lisaper means to be able to delude yourself into thinking that it's happening to you that's what lisaper is we all have this power according to the to the halacha. We have all they have the power of You have to see yourself as though you were leaving the tribe. So of course that has to be reformulated in every generation. Like what happened to them and how does that impinge upon me? Right? All of that is like that's that's what Sipo Yitzhiat Mitzrayim, but I understand that there's a difference between remembering something and activating that memory into a story. When I tell the story of Yitzhiat Mitzrayim, what I want to do is tell those people around me, or if there's nobody there, according to the, the Mishnah, you, you talk to yourself, that's also good. You want to tell yourself and the others what it is about Yitziat Mitzrayim that affected you. Now, today, 3,000 years later. <clears throat> so that's, that's the, uh, the uh, that's what I come to Yom HaShoah with. <coughs> there is this idea of Zecher, and then there's this idea of Sipur. And when it comes to Zecher, I understand that it's, a <coughs> it's important to remember because if you don't remember, there's no story. There will never be a story. But when it comes to Yom HaShoah, I don't know what the story is. I think that to say that somehow the state of Israel, as glorious as it may be, is kind of a response to the uh, to the Holocaust. 
seems to me to be a little bit cruel and un, unimpressive. I just don't, I, I don't see that at all. I don't think a million children had to be killed in order that there would be a state of Israel. I mean, I don't see the... Uh, <coughs> now, generally, the re religious philosophy, today, current kind of religious philosophy is that you can't second-guess God. Avram Avinu did it. Avinu said, you know, you're going to kill everybody in Sodom? What if there are 50 righteous people, there are 40 righteous people? And, and God explained to Abraham Avinu that he was not going to kill the righteous. And even Lot, who was not particularly righteous, and his family would be saved. Okay, his wife wasn't saved at the end, but that's not seen as part of the, the deal. So, I just these are things that come to mind. Things that come to mind, and uh, we don't really have a story to tell about the Shoah. We can build a museum, and we can build a memorial, and we can build the Yad Vashem, and we can even make people who don't even know, who come from the Far East and don't even know the history of World War II, they go to Yad Vashem and light a candle or something, you know, we can do that. But what exactly have we done? What exactly have we done? We take, uh, in my personal experience, very limited, you know, taking kids to Poland to see uh, the death camps, very uh, unimpressive, very unimpressive. I remember I was in, uh, in Warsaw and <coughs> it was Erev Purim and a group of these Israeli kids came in with Madrichim, you know, to... I guess they, they were going to show them the, somehow the rejuvenation of Judaism in Poland which didn't look like much actually, but it's a nice shul you know, so I go over to the guy who's in charge and I say, look, you know, it's Erev Purim. And Purim is a, a holiday of, you know, some kind of victory. Maybe you could put it together. They, well, they weren't religious. Maybe you could put Purim together with Shoah and, and uh, you know, the fact that you're in Warsaw and the fact that there are still Jews walking around looked at me and he said we have a schedule <laughs> we can't change the schedule so <coughs> what could I say because I, I don't think that we've really that we really have a story to tell uh, we have a lot of stories to tell a lot of people who went through this or that and and somehow survived. I mean, it's uh, the people who survived uh, often stories of a miraculous nature. But I don't know what we, what story I can tell. What story could I tell about the Shoah?
So I, I think that people, those people who are the thoughtful people, the great uh, people of great ideas, whoever they may be, might be able to help me out and tell me what it is, what the story of uh, Yom HaShoah should be. How you get from Zecher to Sipur, how you get from the memory to the story. <coughs> okay, I thought I would just... Uh, you know, like, you have Zecher, one of the six Zechronot is Shabbat, but there's no Sipur of Shabbat. Who said? What's the of Shabbat? Where God created the world, mm. and that God created the world with Shabbat in it. I mean, it's it. Uh, according, uh, most Hasidut sees the Hasidic literature sees Shabbat as the formative time of the personality. We're all dependent on Shabbat for the way we are. That's the easy one. Okay, the parish is Kedoshim. The parish is Kedoshim. Uh, I wanted to do something maybe a little bit different than <coughs> take a puzzle that we all know and try to see how the uh, commentaries developed a different understanding of that puzzle. So there are three parts to the Pasuk, right? Three stitches they're called. Bepnei Seva Takum. Seva is the person who looks old. You know, when you get old, the colors change. That's called Seva. That's called say Some people are excused from this, but very few. So, takum. seva, when you confront seva, you should get up. You should get up. This is a, a lesson that I can tell you that not everybody on the bus has learned. <coughs> because I definitely fit into that category. But it's not always, you don't always get the deal. Even though they have signs in the bus that you should stand, it's actually on the front seats, you know, you in the front seat. But the people who sit in the front seat can't read Hebrew. <laughs> that's why they sit there. So that's the first part. It gives you an action. Do something, right? The second part of the Pasuk says, Hadar, okay, I mean, it's a word that's used in Hebrew, in modern Hebrew, and maybe it has the same kind of general meaning that you should uh, give glory to someone who is in the category of zakein. So it's the category of zakein. So is there a difference between seva and zakein? Not necessarily. They could be synonyms. Synonyms are words that seem to mean the same thing. Two different words that mean the same thing. No. Synonyms are two words that sound the same. No. no. Two no. words that mean the same. Two words that mean almost the same thing. So, so zakein and seva, <coughs> you say, are synonyms. 
Now, as a general, in general, led by Rashi, for us, but not only Rashi, it's also true about Chazal, they didn't like synonyms. They didn't like synonyms. They thought that the Torah would be frugal in, uh, in saying what it meant and would not repeat things just by using a different word. And therefore, wherever they could, Chazal said, well, each word has a, speci a specific meaning. But if I had to think about what the word zakein means, I, I would be easy, because there's a Hebrew word called zak which is zakan, a beard. So a zakein is a, someone who has a beard, <coughs> as, a, <coughs> as opposed to a na'ar, a young man who doesn't have a beard necessarily, right? There is that, that kind of distinction. If you look at, uh, you see, the next to the last source, Melachim uh, Aleph, Paragud Bet, do you see that? The least Melachim Aleph, Paragud Bet. It's one, two, three, four from the bottom. It's also four from the top, which itself is a sign. So this is the this is what it says. Vayana Melach, the king, the king we're talking about is Rechavam. Rechavam was the son of Shlomo HaMelech. You remember, Shlomo HaMelech built the Beit Hamikdash, had to tax the people very heavily in order to establish a worthy monarchy. This has been a problem of some people become kings and then exploit, and some people exploit in order to become kings. But this has gone on for a long time, so it should not surprise us. Nevertheless, Vayan HaMelech et Am The people can't... Oh. You some water? No, no, thank you. They came, they came, uh, the people came to Rechavam and they say, we can't do this anymore. We can't pay this exorbitant tax. You have to free us and let us live. So, he spoke to them harshly. And he, def he uh, did not accept the Eitzah, the, uh, the what? Advice. Of the Skeinim. They did, he did not accept the advice of the elders. And he spoke to them, he responded to them in the name of the children, the children, as follows, My father, Shlomo HaMelech, uh, placed upon you this burden, and Yosef Alulchem, I will make it even greater. I'll add to the tax. Avi Yisar etchem b'shotim 
אני אייסר אתכם בעקרבים. My father hit you with these thin reeds and I'm going to use big sticks. And the king, Rehavam, did not listen to the people. And this is how the Pasuk introduces us to the fact that somehow God had already prepared for the split between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom and Achia Shiloni was the prophet who was going to anoint Yeravam ben Nevat who would then become the king of the of the northern of the northern kingdom Pasuk Tetzayin Vayakol Yisrael ki lo shama melech alehem Vayishivu ha'amel ha'melech tava lemor they all heard that the king Rechabon was not uh, willing to uh, to listen and they said to him, So they said, okay, we're not, we have no connection to the past, we're not connected to David HaMelech. And they went home. And the people who lived in Yehuda, south, right, Yerushalayim and south was Yehudah. So you see, that was the beginning of the rebellion against Rechavam and the establishing of the Malchut of Yisrael the northern kingdom under Yeravam ben Nevat. Why is it called ben, ben Nevat? What? Why is it called Ben Nevat? No, Yeravam ben Nevat. It's, it's different between Rechavam and Yeravam. Oh, okay. Rechavam was the son of, yeah, of, of Shlomo Amalek and Yeravam was the new guy on the scene. Right. <laughs> and the difficulty in understanding like history is that uh, Yeravam turned out to be the worst possible king imaginable. And why that had to be determined by God through Achia Shiloni is not, not so clear. But you see in this in these Psukim you see there is a distinction between Skeinim already at the time of the Malchut Skeinim and Na'arim. Here, the first pasuk, pasuk yud gimel, and that's contra contra to yiladim, people with without experience. Skenim are well-known advisors, people who know things, people who understand. So we go back to the Pasuk, we go back to the Pasuk we started out with, and we said, Vadarta B'nei Zakein. Is Zakein the same as Seva? That theoretically they could be synonyms. However, Rashi doesn't like that idea. <coughs> so Rashi says, Mifnei Seva, you see Rashi? 
What if he's a terrible person? Whatever that word means. But it means terrible, terrible person. An older, terrible person. Talmud Lomar Zaken. Ela Zain Zaken. Ela Shekana Chochma. So what does that mean? Talmud Lomar Zaken. It was, Bepnei Seivat Akum should mean, could mean, get up even when the guy's a bad person. Right, the the parallel between Zakain and Seva tells you that it has to be a good person. That you're not talking about a bad person, but you're talking about a good person. He says, Rashi, What does that mean? What does it mean to to give some sort of glory? Lo yeshebim komo, he shouldn't sit in his place. Lo yedaberbim komo, he shouldn't speak up when he's there. Lo yistoret varab, you shouldn't deny whatever he said. Yechol yatsim einav kimosha lo ra'ohu. So the Madrash asked, how about if you close your eyes and make believe that you don't know he's there? L'kach ne'emar v'yereitam elokecha, sh'arei davar zemasur, and that's a general rule <coughs> that Rashi quotes. The third part of the Pasuk, right, the third part. What does that got to do with, uh, with the first two parts of the Pasuk? I understand, that's a Pasuk. What is Vyareta Melokecha? I mean, that's generally a good idea, but what's it got to do with this particular pasuk? So Rashi says, Rashi says, you get on a bus, and there's somebody sitting there with a little Mishnayas, and he's got his nose in the Mishnayas, and doesn't seem to notice anything going around outside of him. And the old lady with two canes, comes teetering along on the bus and he's looking at his Mishnayas. So you can't tell, is he righteous? <coughs> and learning against all odds. Or does he just want to keep his seat on the bus and therefore he's not going to notice whoever comes on? Now it's very difficult to know the answer to that question. But he, the person looking at the Mishnayas with great intention, he knows. He knows. So that's the Ereta Melokecha. That anything you know, God also knows. So even though you could be in this gray area when it comes to this mitzvah, <coughs> You have to also be the Eresa Melokecho. It's not just what people think about you, but it's what you know about you, what you understand about yourself. And so that's what Rashi says here at the end. That this is given to the heart of the person who's doing the mitzvah. He's the only one who knows if he's doing the mitzvah or not, or he's, if he's avoiding the mitzvah, or it's simply doing something else. 
Anything that has to do with you, in your heart. As you know that two witnesses can't come and accuse you of denying this mitzvah. Because you'll just say, I didn't know, I didn't see, I wasn't aware. Right? Which could be true. But you know if it's true or not. That's your etem <coughs> So the three parts of the pasuk, according to Rashi, go as follows. Right? Go as follows. Mebnei seva takum. Seva is a word that describes an older person. Seva. But it does not tell me whether I have to make sure that that older person is also a good person. I have to stand for any older person, only for good older person, only the good ones. The second part of the Pasuk says, Vadarta Pnei Zakein. Vadarta Pnei Zakein means Zakein. It's somebody who has, who's good, who has good advice. What we saw with the Rechab of this Kainim were the ones he should have listened to. The ones who knew what the Torah wanted at that at that moment. So that Vadarta B'nai Zakein comes to tell us something about Seva. That even though every person who's older deserves a seat on the bus, nevertheless, if you perceive that a person is truly a bad person, you may not be obligated. The Areta Melohecha, the third part of the Pasuk according to Rashi. The third part of the Pasuk is, this is something that's masur laleif. Only you know if you're avoiding the mitzvah or if you're doing the mitzvah. So that's, you just know that you're not the only one. God also knows. And then in the, whatever the reckoning that is made in heaven, whatever that reckoning is, you know, it will include whether you stood up in the bus or did not stand up in the bus. Okay, this is also sort of repeated in the Rambam. I leave out the Gemara because uh, it's, it's easier to just get the summary in the Rambam. Look at the, at the sheet. The Rambam, the second source of the Rambam. Or the third. Hilchos Talmud Torah Perikbam. Kol Talmit Chacham Mitzvah Lahadro. So here... The Rambam says, what word is he explaining in the Pasuk? Zaken. Okay, Vadarta, Vadarta, Penei Zaken. That's what it says in the Pasuk. And the Rambam says, Kol Talmit Chacham Mitzvah Lahadro. So he says, <coughs> and not just a Zaken who has good advice, not just a Zaken who has, uh, uh, you know, who has Torah knowledge. But the Rambam clearly states that what the Pasuk is talking about is Talmit Chacham. And I would imagine that the exam that the Rambam would give to, to be called a Talmit Chacham would be rather intense. Right? And so, Avo Pishay no Rabo. Avo no meaning that there's a general obligation that a person has to honor the person who taught him Torah. But then there are specific obligations, right? You're talking about a Talmit Chacham, <coughs> who, who's not his Rav. 
אפי שאינו רבו שנאמר, מפני שיבה תקום ועדרת פני זקן. זקן זה שקנה חוכמה. So you see that by the time the Rambam came around, the word zakein was differentiated from the word seva. Right? The word seva, the Rambam doesn't explain. It means what you think it means. By an older person. But the word zakein, the Rambam has to explain. Because it doesn't mean what you think it means. It means talmid, Chacham, or what the Rambam says here, Zeshekana Chachma. Chachma, of course, is Torah. Kana Chachma, he bought it, he made it his. <coughs> and then there's a halacha that the Rambam adds, which is not in the Pasuk, but is in the Gemara. Me'imatai chayavim lamod mifanav, mepnei seva takum. The Rambam has blotted out the distinction between Seva and Zakein, basically. We're always talking about a Talmid Chacham. He says, When, where, what's the relationship between you and the Talmid Chacham which obligates you to stand? The Talmid Chacham is walking by, and when he gets to within Dalit Amot of you, you better stand up. And you remain standing until he passes by. But this is what we do when you take a Sefer Torah out of the Aron Kodesh, it's the kind of uh, the dogma. <coughs> now, Halacha Bet. Halacha Bet has, uh, okay. You shouldn't stand before him neither in the Beit HaMerchatz Mikvah Mikvah, that's good A bathhouse Neither the bathhouse and not the There's this idea that there are certain places where Kabod is irrelevant it doesn't fit in. If somebody's in a bathroom or in a, in a bathhouse, Shleimar takum v'hadarta. Kima sheyesh bahidu. He says, you have to get up in a way that you give honor to the other person. But if he... <coughs> in such a place, you don't have to do it. Kima sheyesh bahidu. Ve'en ba'alei umanut chayavim la'amod b'pnei talmidei chachamim בזמן שעוסקים במלאכתם, שנאמר תקום בהדרת, מהידו שאין בו חיסרון כיס, אף קימה שאין בו חיסרון כיס, אבי... Again, if you have somebody who's making shoes, and the Kadol Hadar walks by his store, he shouldn't get up. Because this kind of act of kavod is not about losing money. And if you lose money by giving kavod, the Gemara was against that. Didn't want you to lose money. Didn't want you to become unhappy about doing the, the mitzvah. Then finally the Rambam says, How do you know <coughs> that a person should not close his eyes? He hears that the, the 
this great rabbi is walking by the street, so he just closes his eyes, right? That way he won't see him when he comes by and he won't have to stand up. Why shouldn't he do that? So by the time the Rambam came along, by the time the Rambam came along, the, the distinction between Seva and Zakain seems to have been eradicated. And everybody is, I mean, this is, uh, this is Rashi. Rashi and the Ram, Rambam say basically the same thing. If you look at the Rashi again, Mipnei Seva Takum. What does Rashi say? Nothing. No, he says, Yechol Zakein Ashamai. In other words, he doesn't explain the word uh, Seva. There's no such thing as Seva. There's only a Talmud Chacham. Only the Rashi, what Rashi says is, Ein Zakein Ela Shekana Chochma. What's Kana Chochma? It's Talmud Chacham. So both Rashi and Rambam are not relating to the age. They're only relating to... Uh, to him being uh, a Talmud Bach. Right. Or, and that, or, or a, uh, someone who has Kanach Ahmad. Yeah, that's also, <coughs> it's true. What you say is true. And it's a question in the halacha. Like if you have a child who's a great scholar, Augustine was not interested in, he was not, you know, there are two kinds of people, people who, like, say, you have to give me cover, and people who say, I don't need it, you know, doesn't interest me. So they asked Augustine why it was that he was not interested in cover, but everybody around him seemed to, in his business, seemed to be interested in cover. So he said when he was very young and a student in Vilna, he was 19 or 20, he was appointed a Dayan, at a very young age, in the Beit Din in Vilna. And, uh, and in his inaugural, inaugural <coughs> event, he came into the Besdin, the Ad Besdin was of Chaimosa, Grudzinski who was the Kono Hador, he and the Mishtabrua. <coughs> so when he came in, they all, all the Dayanim stood up. He was 19. So what's the end of the story? They said, what sort of covered could I get? That's covered. I already had over the top. It was over the top. <coughs> so, and, and so the cover is an interesting topic. You know, there's like my obligation to give cover, and to a certain extent, there's an obligation on some people to accept that giving of cover. But that's what Rav Gustin said. Now, this. 
זה מיידו במשנה עם אבות, במשנה עם אבות, פרק א' משנה א', משה קיבל תורה מסיני ומסרה ליהושע, ויהושע לזקנים וזקנים לנביאים. So נביאים, we know נביאים. Prophets. We understand that they might be significant in this chain of tradition. But in between Yoshua and the Nevi'im are the Zekeinim. And the Zekeinim in this first Mishnah in Pirkei Avot are great scholars. Again, the word Zekeinim has changed from being older or mature or to being Talmidei Chachamim. And the same thing is true in the fifth barrack in Pirkei Avot. Omer Ben Chameshanin Mikra Ben Esel Mishnah Ben Shlos Yisrael Mitzvot Ben Chamesh Yisrael Talmud Ben Shmon Yisrael Chupa Ben Esel Mitzvot Ben Shloshim Lekoch Ben Abaim Lebina בין חמישים לעצה, בין שישים לזקנה. בין שבעים לזקנה, meaning, well, we don't know what it means, but it could mean by the time you're 70, you could claim to be a great scholar. And then, בין שישים, I'm sorry, שישים לזקנה, בין שבעים לסיבה. סיבה is reintroduced. In this Mishnah, at the end of Pirkei Avot, but here they are chronological designations. So we see that in the the language of the Chachamim, these words had you know two meanings. You could say Zakein, meaning mature, older. You could say Zakein, meaning uh, great scholar. You could say Seva, meaning you look that way. It could also be that you've gained a certain amount of understanding and knowledge. Finally, what I'd like to do is look at the Svatemet. <coughs> you see at the bottom of the page, uh, there's a Pasuk in Tehillim. There's a Pasuk in Tehillim. You see, Achor Bekenim Tzartani. You see that Pasuk? Vatashet Alai Kapecha. You place upon me your your hands. Backwards and forwards. This has became the like the medrash. What's backwards and what's forwards? So the the the, the, the says this. Kapecha. Kapecha, you see the, the after the dot on the first line. Remes Lishnei Yudin. Devayitzer. Vayitzer is another posuk, right? You see Breshit, Perk, Bet, Posuk, Zion. I have the posuk there. Vayitzer, Hashem, Lukim, Et Adam, Apam, Min Adama. Vayitzer. Vayitzer. Like if I had to uh, 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 analyze the word, Vayitzer, what's the root? People say that. Yud, Sadi, Resh, right? So why are there two Yuds in it? In the beginning, Vayitzer. Is what it says. Vayitzer. The first yud is the root yud, and the second yud is the vocalization yud. 
you know that in Hebrew, the letters Aleph, Hey, Vav, and Yud, Aleph, Hey, Yud, and Vav are used as vocalization signs. I could see Ulpan passed you by. <coughs> Take a word like, just to say, they were like Torah. Torah, T O R A, Taf, Vav, Reish, Hey. Yes? You have that in mind? Yes. Torah. Now, why is there a hey at the end of that word? The hey tells you that the word ends in a vowel. Right? It's just a sign. It doesn't mean anything. It's not part of meaningful. Not the And when you say the word Torah, you don't hear a hey at the end. So the letters, Aleph, Hey, Vav, and Yud, act as vowels, sometimes. Sometimes as consonants, sometimes as vowels. So in this word, Vayitzer, right, the root would be Yud Tzadi Resh. The first Yud would be the, uh, the word, and the second word would be the vowel. The second Yud would be the sign for the vowel. What vowel is it the sign of? A yud, a yud as a vowel sign. What vowel? Uh, e. E. Chirik, right? Chirik, good. E. No? We're with you. What? We're with you. So even if you... <coughs> even if the pasuk is not vocalized, you would know that you have to read it by Yitzer. That's the trick. So, Vayitzer, Hashem will give it to Adam and Farmi Adama. That's what the Pasuk says. What does the Tzvata Emet say? It says, Shnei Yitzirot Bolam Hazeh, Ubolam Abba. The two Yudim in Vayitzer come to teach us also that there are two creations. Olam Hazeh and Olam Abba. The Aguf Bolam Hazeh, Achor Mikol Abruim, that the body of man was created last. That we are ra'ui to get into the next world because of circumcision. So again, He's answering an interesting question. Why did they have to? Why did Abraham Avinu have to do the mitzvah of Mila before the Torah was given? Why did he have to get the mitzvah? Like, what what would terrible thing would happen? I mean, the Abraham Avinu didn't have a thousand other mitzvot that were not that were given when we received the Torah. So that's what he says. I love that shoe. No, I don't want. I don't want to just. Uh, Skip to the fourth line, two thirds of the way in at the period. Latid atidim b'nei Yisrael liyot kadum lekol that b'nei Yisrael will come earlier than everything else. Kemoshe katuv ke'ed yamel Yaakov mapa alel. Aval gam ba'olam hazeh bekorach hamilah v'atorah 
יכולים לזכות לבחינת קדם. They can be, so that, I, I want you to, to say that there is a theory of history, uh, a non-Jewish theory of history, but doesn't mean it's not correct, that we, that history reflects development. You go from being a barbarian to learning how to read and write to producing great literature and, uh, and uh, poetry and you become fat and slovenly and then the Mongolians come and eat you up. That's one view and then you start over again and then the Mongolians become uh, uh, as they, their conquered uh, enemies were. There's another view of history. There's another view of history enunciated by the Ramban and, uh, and others, and also reflected here in this. And that other view in history, of history is that the world started off per perfectly and then it dissolved into imperfection. Right, that that B'day Yisrael were ready to receive the Torah and they were not able to maintain that readiness. There is that view of history and that view of history is defended by the way the Torah tells the story. Instead of starting the story from B'nai Yisrael in Mitzrayim, right, we had that problem on, uh, on Pesach, right? Do you start from Avadim Ayinu Par Mitzrayim? Why not start from there? Why do we have to know about Avram and Yisro and Yaakov and Adam and Rishon and Chava and the snake? What do we have to know about all of that for? To know that there were perfect people who produced imperfection and that we fight with that imperfection all the time? Is that that, that kind of a reason? <coughs> so the answer is no, it's not a reason. But that that that's how history works. You start off at the very top, and the top enables you always to have a model of achievement. Like, where do I want to get to? I want to get to back to where I was, where I could be, where I might have been. And that's the achor v'kedem that the that the uh, that he is talking about. Now if you look at the last, if you look at the last line in the Svatavet, he says. He says, at the end of things, at the end of history, you've got to be back to the beginning, to the way it was in, in Gan Eden, the way it was where, where everybody was connected to God and there were no issues until the hate of Adam Arisha. He says, he says, it's true that young people are controlled by Yetzirah, their, their, their evil inclination. They nevertheless, at the end, the Yetzirah, the good inclination, has to be Shalit Bilibado, Lechein Nikra Zakein. And that's why the older people are called Zakein, Shekanach Achma Megaresha Yetzer Hara, because they're able to 
to, to, uh, to grab onto wisdom and to chase away the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, so that the Zakein, according to Svatamet, <coughs> is not a mature person, it's not a Talmud Chacham, it's not somebody who, who only, but someone who has achieved a kind of perfection in his own life where the Yetzirah has been chased out and all he has left is Yetzir Tov. Yetzir Tov. And he says, Liyot Naki, Miyad. So a person who is able to chase out the Yetzirah and to live only with the Yetzir HaTov, he's called a Zakein, called a Zakein Miyad. So that you see that there's a continuing development of the notion of a Zakein. Whether the Svatamet thinks that that's the halacha, that you only have to get up, or you have to do hidur, for only for a zakein who's achieved that kind of perfection, I doubt it. In other words, according to the Svatamet, there's the halachic uh, a resolution of zakein. I mean, somebody who, who knows, who does good things and stays away from bad things and, and is, uh, is knowledgeable in Torah. But there is this idea of a zakein. And the idea of a zakein is a person who, achieved, who has achieved perfection so that the, there's a continuing development of this idea. <coughs> and the idea of zakein. The who? Last line of where? Misha Zocheb in Naruto, Liyot. That's what he says. He says the zakein is nothing to do with age. It has to do with perfection. And if you achieve the perfection when you're young, you know, well, you know that the Balatanya wrote a whole book just about this issue. But what is a person supposed to do who doesn't seem to be able to get rid of his yetzahara? And uh, I mean, so the book is long and tedious and could wear you out. Maybe that's a solution. <laughs> okay, next week is Yom Ha'atzma'ut. We won't have a shir next week. Next Wednesday night is Yom Ha'atzma'ut. Yeah, according to all the calendars that I was able to consult. Yeah, what, what 